Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Crypto Basic Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Philbin, and today is another 101 series episode where we're going to be tackling the IOST project. Learn about what that abbreviation means and what they mean when they say proof of believability. The 101 series episodes can be listened to in any order at any time. So if you want to learn about a project and we've covered it, go on over to CryptoBasicPodcast.com slash episodes and you can find out about any of those coins, projects from the ground up. Now, we don't always have a special guest, but today we do. Today we're going to hear from Terrence Wang, who is the Chief Technical Officer of the IOST Foundation and knows the ins and outs of this project, this blockchain, and this community. Episode 190 of the Crypto Basic Podcast starts now. You can just be like meeting the minimal requirements and then you can join as a node. So by designing this way, we are trying to make the blockchain more open and public and more permissionist. And at the same time, we're lowering the bar for the people to become a node. All right. So welcome to the show. We're going to do a little one-on-one series on the IOST project. And in order to help us out here, I've got Terrence Wang, who is the CTO of IOST. The, is it a foundation or a company? Foundation. Okay, great. So C- CTO of the IOST Foundation. Yeah. So welcome to the show. Why don't you give us an introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, your history, and how you ended up with this project. Uh, sure. Yeah. So hi, everyone. I- I'm Terrence Wang. And uh, okay, so I have been in computer science and uh, uh, distributed system research for like a long time. So I u- used to be a computer science researcher at, at Princeton University where I-, I was doing my graduate school. And later I actually find out like academia is actually more, it, it, okay, it's left behind by the industry. So I went out to the industry and I have been working as a software engineer in Microsoft and Uber uh, for about three years. And before that, I was doing like mainly the big data and distributed system research, where it's quite related to the distributed algorithm in uh, the decentralization world by crypto. And later I moved back to China and I find a lot of my friends who are also all interested in this. So we just started our own project. So it's essentially about two years ago where we find that we can build something actually quite interesting. So at the time, we we're thinking about building something scalable. So scalable and also at the same time, keep, keep the decentralization level to the max. So that's the original thought. And uh, yeah, so after that, we have been built this for for this two years. And right now, uh, like, you know, like three, three months ago, we launched our mainnet. And right now, the ecosystem is growing. And we ended up here. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically, I came from a computer science background. And I ended up, <laughs> yeah, joined crypto because I was in the this field. So I learned crypto a long time ago. At, at the time, people don't talk about blockchain. People all talk about Bitcoin. So I think that's like five or six years ago. And I've set up a server in my computer lab to mine Bitcoins. And and later I I was using the AWS and uh, Microsoft servers to mine uh, Ethereum. So that's all. Yeah. So that's, so I think I did a lot of things that crypto people was doing today, I think I've experienced all of that. And after all this combined, I, I know computer science 
and I was doing research in this field, so I just started my own project. I think I can do a pretty interesting one. So were you using the computer resources at Microsoft to do the mining? No, uh, it's a Microsoft server, so everyone can oh, okay. use that. Yeah, so it's a public service. Well, still, that's pretty cool that yeah. you were able to leverage that. Uh, because right now, it, I mean, they already banned that. Uh, so right now, there's no way for, for you to mine it through AWS or through Microsoft servers. Uh, but at that time, like, yeah, the restrictions hasn't been there. <laughs> so do you think it was your fault that the restrictions were put on? It might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's a cool little history history lesson of you, a little bit of the project. Was there a, an ICO with this project or anything like that? Or was there a uh, kind of like a distributed fund model? It's actually, okay, so we have a public, uh, I mean, we don't have a public round, but we have a private round. So for that sense, I'm not sure if we can call that an ICO, where it's a bit like IEO or, or like something else. Yeah, so because we don't have a pu- public sale round, I mean, uh, after we like gathered a lot of uh, institutional investors and personal investors, we got listed on exchanges. So yeah, that's how it was. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so the the total the project's right around two years old. It's about three months into its mainnet. So, a lot of these projects that launched around that time still don't even have their mainnet. So, it's always nice to see mm-hmm. a project actually following through with their roadmap, which is why we focus on the projects that do make it towards the top of the market cap. I mean, you guys were heavily requested by our community, but at the same time, if the community requests a coin that's like, you know, number 200 on the market cap, we're not really going to cover it. So oh, I see. <laughs> it's nice to cover big projects. So, um, right now we're around 50 something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there, you, you guys have a lot of fans on our end already. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping to make another one out of me for the for purpose of this last, Let's do last that. one of these I did, I ended up liking the project. So that's so great. <laughs> All right, so next up, I'm going to ask you just some quick questions about the project. We call it the rapid-fire section, and they're just like easy answers, and then we'll expand on them later in the episode. That sounds fun. Um, Would you consider this a coin token platform or something else entirely? Uh, It's a platform, yeah. So all the focus we do is we're a platform, and we find the apps, we, we find the tools to support the ecosystem. So... As we all see, like our main net is launching, comes along with all different sorts of DApps, blockchain explorers, wallets, and uh, DAX, all these things. Yeah, so we don't make them. I mean, we're a platform to support all this. So it's a platform. Cool. Is the platform, I, I know the answer to this one because I did a little bit of research, but I, I need to hear you say it. Is it proof of work, proof of stake, or something else? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's, we call it POB, proof of believability. So it's a more uh, advanced version of POS. All right, we're going to get into that because I think that POS could use a lot of work. So I'm interested to see what kind of tweaks we've made to this sure. uh, on the IOST project. So the the next question we've already answered, which is, is the mainnet live that's already taken care of? Yep. Uh, would you say that it's a fully decentralized project or are there points of centralization? Okay, so I think right now we're the only fully decentralized network while... Uh, we keep the network scalable. So many of the blockchains, they are, they are decentralized, but they are not scalable. And many of the blockchains, they are scalable, but they are not decentralized. Yeah. That's usually the trade-off that you have to make. So that's yeah. interesting that you may have solved that, yeah. which is pretty cool. You know, you look at something like Bitcoin, and yeah, it's very hard to scale Bitcoin 
it's very easy to scale i don't know eos but then like three guys can tell you what your coin can do and can't do Mm -hmm. so so, um so it's always interesting to see how that works Uh, the final question is kind of we always ask this of each other and it was always kind of like a joke but i've decided to keep it in here and ask it to the people of the project sure do you think the name of the project sounds cool uh, okay, to be honest, I think it's a bad name. Yeah. We have been thinking about changing the name. <laughs> That's <laughs> what, you you I'm know so what? Like, so uh yeah, so at the beginning we we're thinking about we're we're trying to build something like uh, for service, right? So we're we're a platform. So we wanna like empower all the services. So we call it the Internet of Services. So that's IOS and the T for token, so I O S T. But later I mean, we need to keep like, like just one simple thing for people to remember. So, yeah, so we just pick that IOST and we don't like say iOS token or iOS or Internet of Services, only IOST. And after we use IOST, okay, so this is a hard one. So first, it's, it's pretty hard to pronounce. It's all like people from different regions pronounce it in a different way. And also there are like, yeah, so the <laughs> it spells like lost, right? So... If you type it, if you search it, I O S T. Okay, the, I mean the capital I like is similar to L, so people are thinking, oh, it's lost. Oh, why not get some lost? Okay, so that's actually <laughs> really hard. Like still, right now today, my, many friends around me like the yeah. So so they thought we are lost. Yeah. <laughs> that so that's kind of a thing. I mean about our name and uh, yeah, but in some other end. Uh, I think it's also a unique name. Yeah. So it's kind of a, you can remember this and it's pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because it's obviously most people who come on are going to only say great things about their project. But if you're like, yeah, I kind of don't like the name. We're thinking of changing it. That's really cool. Because I was going to say the same thing. Like I, the name doesn't really, it doesn't really stick out to me. I didn't catch the lost thing, but I, what I did see was the connection to iOS, like yeah. like Apple's software. Yeah. So at first, I was like, "Oh, is it something like that where they're trying to make like the App Store of blockchains?" And I clicked on it. And I'm like, "Oh no, it has nothing to do with that." No. Yeah. So, do you have any ideas of what the name may change to? Okay. So actually, come to this point, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to change a name. Mm-hmm. So we got to change a lot of things, including many of the part on blockchain where you know it's pretty yeah, <laughs> it's kind of impossible yeah. to change. So. We might keep it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We might we might just end up with the name we don't like. Whatever. It's fine. People figure it out. I mean, nobody calls Bitcoin BTC. Maybe they'll end up being a, a nice little nickname that, that comes out of You're it. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so that's the fun, easy part at the beginning. So now we want to get like into the into the real meat of the blockchain, meat of the project. Sounds we cool. want to know kind of how everything works, right? So I may ask you to explain some things because our audience, it's crypto basic. So, you know, sometimes I don't understand things. And if I don't, they definitely don't. So we, so I'll, I may stop you. But for the most part, I want to hear about how it works, how the smart contracts work, if there are any, anything like that. So tell me about the IOST chain. Yeah. So uh, you want me to walk. Th- okay. So that's actually a pretty big question. So you- it is. It's big. You know, I would start with... Uh, Let's start with proof of believability because that was such a unique piece. So let's go off of that, and if I, and then I'll, I'll probably find some follow up questions to ask. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, okay. So POB is actually, as I mentioned, it's a kind of advanced POS algorithm. So the essence of it is, 
first, every node has a believability score. So you, you can think of it as a reputation score or a contribution score. And you got it to be in the network and you make contributions. Okay, so the the factors for contributions include the tokens you staked. So, but for other peer-to-peer chains, I mean, the factors they consider is only the token stake. But for us, we we consider the token stake and also some of the contribution you made in the network, such as the the transactions you have verified, uh, the availability for your node in the network, and the topology you are in the network. Say, if you're on the hub of the network, you actually make more. You are making more contributions than if you are in the outside the hub of the network because you are relaying more transactions and you got more volume so that's also the i mean the factors we consider for every node okay so after we calculate your contribution score and then we'll be having a mechanism to select a batch of the nodes to produce uh, blocks yeah and one of the interesting thing is we are encouraging people to we're encouraging new nodes to join the network and we give all the nodes an equal opportunity for them to produce blocks. So in POS, the traditional problem is the richer people will get richer. And if you got more tokens and so you have a higher chance to be selecting the community and then to produce blocks. But after that, you got more tokens and you, you got even higher chance again. So that makes the richer people richer. And, uh, for the normal, like, like nodes who just joined, I mean, the newly joined nodes, they, they don't have a good chance to be in the, in the committee. Yeah. But for us, so our contribution score has a clearing mechanism. So after you have been selected in the committee, so right now the committee size is 17 and our committee is switching 10 minutes, switching pretty fast. Okay. So after 10 minutes, so your contribution score are cleared by a factor. So that, that, that factor is pretty similar to, uh, the votes and the contribution scores of the 17th, the lowest nodes in the committee. And after that, all the highly ranking nodes are reduced by this certain amount and they'll be going back in the queue and a, a second batch of nodes will coming up. And after them produce blocks, a third batch of the, the nodes will, will coming up. So because we're switching every 10 minutes, so uh, for one day, the nodes, I mean, the, the nodes to produce blocks will be over like yeah several hundred. And uh, that's the unique point about this. As we all know about other like DPoS chains, so like EOS has 21 super nodes and some other like similar networks all have the number around 20 to 30 block per producing nodes. But for us, even for one day, we're switching. We're kind of rotating the nodes between, I mean, the number of several hundred. So that's the one thing we have designed to keep the decentralization level up. So that's a unique feature about POS and POS right now we can support up to 100. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, so 10,000 nodes. And, uh, right now we have several hundred nodes in the network. So there can be thousands or tens of thousands of nodes that they are rotating the network. But while, because our committee is, is switching. So the, the consensus is reached in this randomized selected group. And that's how we keep the transaction speed and the throughput. Okay, so let me see if I kind of understand the how this works, basically. Yep. You essentially function just the same as a delegated proof of stake like NEO or EOS for 10 minutes at a time. 
you have a group of 17 instead of 21, or I can't remember how many are on Neo. But for that 10 minutes, you function basically the same as any other DPoS, but those 17 people were selected randomly, and they have a weight based on the random selection, based on how kind of how often they've been selected, what what things they've done for the community. So let's say on top of processing transactions. Yeah. So two things. So first, okay. So it's similar, but it's not the same. And uh, as DPoS. And second thing is, yeah. So there are trivial de- some trivial details. And the the second thing is, yeah. So it's not selected randomly. It's actually selected based on, as I mentioned, their contribution scores. And we select right. the yeah. So so the highest seventeen nodes for the first batch. Oh. And after that. We reduce their survey points. I mean, survey here just means the the contribution points. And then for the second round, so they will be, I mean, they'll be not ranked as the highest. So they are like somewhere back in in the queue. But but that position is kind of random. Okay, so so their their score builds over time as they're running as a node, but not getting any reward for being selected. So it kind of like at some point they're almost guaranteed to be selected because their their reputation has gotten big enough while they're doing the stuff in the meantime. But once they are selected, it goes back down. Yep. Is that yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, by designing this, as I said, like we want to give opportunity to the newly joined nodes, and we don't want to be like a same group of people is running the node all the time. So that's pretty much a problem of uh, centralization. And right. uh, also, we—I mean—we want to keep the rotation pretty frequent. The rotation is more frequent, and the decentralization level is better. Okay, cool. So, let's say I'm one of the rich people, and I want to have the best chance of affecting the network that I can. Would it benefit me in any way to open, say, you know, a hundred different nodes versus one node with one hundred times the coins? Uh, would I be more likely to get selected if I did it the other way? Okay, so first, if you are acting as one node, pretty much, okay, so you have a pretty limited chance to get, I mean, to get the blocks producing rewards because for the block producing rewards is capped. And, uh, okay, so other nodes, they have a certain chance, okay, no matter how many contributions you made, there is a cap limit for the chances you are being in the committee. So that's preventing like the big nodes. Say like one node is getting like staked maybe over like fifty percent of the tokens in the whole network, and it's making a lot of contributions too. But that person can at most get one seventeenth of the block rewards, and yeah, so it's actually indirect to its uh, stake. So that's yeah. So that's something we we plan from uh, really big nodes, and. Uh, we have been designed the mechanism to make every node. I mean, yeah, so you, of course you can split the nodes, but for you to launch a tag, the, I mean, so the other malicious nodes, they have to pay a pretty heavy so uh, thing to, la- to launch that. So you have not only needs to stake the tokens, but, but also you have to make contributions. But the, the more contributions you made, Actually, you are more likely, you are more in, inclined to be in the welfare. I mean, you're going to pro the network and you, you are in the position to, it's kind of more beneficial for you to make good things than being the malicious nodes. So that kind of put the malicious nodes in a hard situation because, right. yeah, so you have to make 
more and more contributions in order to to win the rewards. But as you're doing that, you're actually making contributions, positive things to the network. So is there a massive penalty if a, a malicious node were found to be trying to do a reorg or something like that? Would they lose some sort of stake or they just wouldn't be selected anymore and they would have no reputation? There is, yes. So basically they lose their reputation and the stake. Okay. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty serious penalty. Pretty Has cool. that happened ever? Yeah. No, it never happened. What I find a lot of times is if you can create the right incentives against something, then it won't happen even though it's technically possible. You know, like if if it's really bad if you get caught doing something, like robbing a bank or whatever, you're probably not going to do it. But if it's not that bad if you get caught, like then all right, maybe you'll try. Yep. So. And one more thing, like I think something pretty amazing about blockchain is you can prevent the things that technically can happen by adding a, a limit for the the economic incentive. Okay, so even if technically you can rob a bank, but if your cost to rob a bank is pretty high and it's probably higher than the, the, the benefit you got from you rob a bank. So then normal people would never do that, right? Because it's economically economically not good for you and for other people, I mean, for other hackers, I mean, yeah, so after that, they will not have an incentive to, to do that. So that's why we are designing the system to make all this malicious node have a pretty, pretty, like, I mean, pretty close to zero because it's economically not beneficial for all these nodes to launch the attack. Uh, yeah, I'd almost have to have a vendetta against IOST to want to launch an attack that doesn't make any sense for me monetarily. If I'm a hacker, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit somewhere else and try to, you know, rent some rent some hash power and attack a different chain. Yeah, yeah. So, so that makes sense. That when I tell people about security on their own devices, I'm saying, look, add two-factor authentication, make difficult passwords. Once you get to that point, unless a, a hacker just really hates you and they want to target you, <laughs> there's a good chance they're going to move on as soon as they find two-factor authentication. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of people who don't use it, so they're going to go hack them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So yeah, it should be similar. So what is what's the uh, what's the speed like on the network? I, I assume it's pretty quick if since it kind of functions with a with a proof of stake situation. Are you able to do transactions close to instantly? Okay, so we also have sharding, but it's not launched yet. So our block oh, okay. time is zero point five seconds. So one one second we have two blocks, and for every block, uh, the okay. So how do you call that? The hailstorm test can. Uh, put as many as 4,000 transactions into one block. So that basically put us the TPS as 8,000 transactions per second. And that's uh, the kind of the higher end for the network. But in the real reality, I mean, there are not many transactions being generated. And right now we have a blockchain explorer called iOS ABC. And if you log into that, you can watch the real-time TPS and the TPS I mean, the all-time high TPS in the history, I mean, since since the mainnet have, have launched. So right now, I think at some peak days, uh, our TPS have reached 1,010. Wow. I mean, that's a peak for the real-time transactions. So maybe at, at that time, uh, like, there are many, many people are playing dApps and many people are tra- sending transactions or something. Yeah, but theoretically, right now, it can support 8,000. Oh, that's a lot. That, so that is very quick. That's got to be up there with some of the fastest blockchains as far as as far as the speed. 
what is the total supply look like is it an is it inflating supply like ethereum or is it like bitcoin where there's a set amount and it deflates okay so it's the amount is uh fluctuating around a certain number so the total supply is 21 billion and uh, our mechanism has a burning token mechanism and also uh inflation mechanism so that combined we will put the number fluctuating around 21 billion yeah so, but it's not like a fixed number. Everything's fixed. So it's kind of a, yes. Yeah, so, so there's a little curve around the supply number. And this is an interesting point. So for our POS system, so we have like all kinds of nodes, right? And for all these nodes, we're putting a lot of incentive for them to run the nodes. Every year, there's an inflation token for 2% to uh, reward it to all our nodes. But at the same time, we're, we're burning around 2% of the token every year. We have a foundation that holds 35% of the tokens since the start. And the foundation is giving out 2% of the tokens, I mean, to other nodes. So 2% of the inflation plus 2% from the foundation, that adds up like 4% of the tokens so every year, all the nodes gets combined at 4% of our total tokens. And that's actually quite a lot. As for EOS, as an analogy, so EOS is putting 1% of the tokens to all their nodes. But we are rewarding 4%. And all this 4%, okay, so I can go into some details. Yeah, So 2% of the tokens is depends on the contributions you make in the network. 1% is the, depending on... Uh, the blocks you produced and the other 1% is depends on the ratio of the, the votes you got. So the more votes you got, the more, the more rewards you, you got from this 1%. So that's how the 4% is breaking down. And also voter and nose, they have an equal share of the vote. You say you don't have any votes, but you can, you have traffic and you, you can do something meaningful in a network. So you can find a lot of people to vote for you and you become a node. And you can make the rewards, but your voters get half of the rewards you got because you don't, I mean, you haven't staked any votes, right? Other people are voting for you and you get half of that. And as a voter, you are, yeah, at the same time, you are getting the other half of the rewards. Say like, you don't have, I mean, you don't have time to make rewards. You, you don't have time to run in a node, make contributions, but you want to stake your tokens, you want to get some like more tokens. Uh, you're doing the POS mining. So then you can find a pretty good nodes and that nodes can generate all the rewards for you. And you can have, I mean, you can have the rewards from that nodes. So that's the split between the nodes and the voters. And yeah, that, that's kind of an overview of how our nodes rewarding system is being built. And right now, uh, we are sending out the contribution rewards quarterly. We are sending out the voting rewards and the block producing rewards daily. So every node can see their rewards is getting like as up every day. And in each quarter, there'll be another like big portion of the rewards distributed to them. We have already sent out the rewards for quarter one and I think the, the top ranking nodes in IOST can get if you converted that to the U.S. dollars, it's, it's 30,000 U.S. dollars per month for a top nose. So that's kind of the rewards right now for our system. That's a massive reward. So you, you mentioned voting, which I think would lead really nicely into when we like to talk about how the on-chain governance works if it's there. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it is there. So yep. 
how does the voting system work with regard to making decisions on the blockchain or does the uh, foundation kind of make decisions for the the chain sometimes that happens in some of the projects yeah so uh right now the voting is mainly okay so the the governance system right now is still evolving and developing and right now the voting is mainly for uh how to select the nodes and we are using one sorry one token one vote not as one token like 30 votes or something and okay one token one vote so uh, another thing is we are pretty permissionless so all this I mean, we're, we're not like super nodes where you have to register and you you have to be basically selected by the blockchain. Otherwise, you cannot be a chain. But for us, we're pretty open. So anyone can come here, be a node. You don't need to tell us. You can just be like meeting the mi- the minimum requirements and then you can join as a node. So by designing this way, we are trying to make the blockchain more open and public and more permissionless. And at the same time, we're lowering the bar for the people to become a node. So we are welcoming like more people to join us to make uh, contributions. In our principle, we don't want like the censorship for a node being a barrier f- for the algorithm and for the blockchain. We think blockchain should be de- designed as a pretty open network. And people people of the users can join and leave at, at any time. Nodes can do that similarly. Nodes can join and leave any time. It's just to meet a basic requirement to become a node. So right now, our staking minimum bar is, is 2.1 million IOST. And after you got like, I mean, that amount of votes, you are automatically selected as a node. Okay, so... So if there was a say like a proposed fork in the in the code or a proposed upgrade to the code that would only the nodes with 21 million uh, votes be able to participate or would it be anybody with a token? Okay, so first it's nodes who is running the the block producing service, right? Okay, so if there's a fork, depends on the soft fork or hard fork. If it's a hard fork then only needs to be for all the nodes to upgrade to the new version. And then after that, uh, yeah, so the network will be fine. So basically, is the block producing nodes who is participating in the hard fork. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so that's a fairly decentralized way of doing it. I'm sure that the uh, IOST Foundation puts out most of the updates, but the community does have the option to say, nah, we don't want that. The community, okay. So, right well, now, the sorry, the block producers. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, they do have the opportunity, but okay. So, since I think all the nodes is trying to to behave as a way to advance the network. So, right right now, we don't see like a, a tons of nodes. They are they refuse to do that. I mean, most of the nodes, as long as they see there's update. Okay, so we made this kind of automatic. Like your system is being like uh, updated in the background, so that can also ha- happen here. So uh, as long as we detect there's a new version and all the other nodes, I mean they're using a server to run a node, so they, so their their server will receive this update signal and then they'll begin to update. So yeah, so right now it's running pretty smooth, and we have some of the nodes who like is responding not that frequent. Like yeah, so their availability is not good, and sometimes they they will be like offline for a while, but after they will be online, so they will got their server updated, and yeah, so right now I mean that hasn't been a problem. 
Okay, cool. So if they're offline and they're supposed to be one of the big nodes, that hurts their contribution score, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, as I said, so availability, online availability is one of the contribution scores. And you got to pre, yeah, you got to be online most of the time in order to, to have your contribution score better, like uh, weighted. Perfect. All right, so we've gone over the governance, we've gone over the features and structures of the blockchain, but another thing I wanted to touch on is you mentioned a bunch of times dApps. Mm-hmm. So dApps take a bunch of different forms. There's some that run completely on the blockchain. Yep. There's some that run in Plutus, some that run in C++. Like, which coding language are you using? Okay. I don't know anything about coding, but it's interesting to talk about. Sure, yeah. So right now, on IOST, you can write your smart contract either in JavaScript or in native Golang. So we chose JavaScript because uh, I think it's the largest programming language with the largest community. If you find how many, okay, so if you go on GitHub, if you search how many repositories are there for JavaScript, it got the most results and it's much bigger than Java or C++ and Python. Uh, So yeah, so that's why we picked this language because we want people to have a lower barrier to learn. So we don't want people to learn a new language as solidity. And we want people to write your like old school or like your preferred way of coding. And you can use all the libraries in JavaScript. So iOS T, when you are writing a D app, is as simple as you writing your JavaScript program with your favorite libraries. So you don't have to write things by your own. So you probably know on Ethereum. And even for string concatenation, you have to write your own library. For iOS T, you can use all those handy libraries uh, in JavaScript. So we are... Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so we're leveraging that. So yeah, so that's the programming language. And all the designs we put is just, we want to lower the barriers for people to enter. So yeah, so we want to make the developer's life easier and the normal user's life easier by like putting all these barriers down. So do the, let's say you're running, you make a D app and it runs a lot of different uh, things, uh, you know, different uh, commands or whatever you want to call them. On Ethereum, they would have to be executed on chain with their virtual machine, which makes it basically a really shitty computer. Are you guys running everything on-chain or, or does some of it run off-chain and then just sync with the blockchain? Okay, so there is a layer two solution, but right now we haven't deployed that yet. So yeah, still everything is on-chain and we have a new type of virtual machine. So we're using a V8 virtual machine. So it's basically a V8 engine. So V8 is <laughs> actually used by Chrome. And that's why, like, actually, Chrome is so fast because it transpiles and it optimizes a lot of the JavaScript code. So for us, the same thing. Like we're like we have done a lot of research actually in V8, and we make a lot of uh, changes. So V8 has helped the, the the execution of the smart contract and the compilation, the transpilation, pretty fast. Uh, yeah, so that's the virtual machine thing. And we're also like a- actively researching on the layer two solution, such as, okay, so we have some partners. Uh, one is called Covalent, one is called ARPA. And so we're doing this co-research thing on the layer two solution where we are opening all these different channels. And on the channels, it can, so basically all the transactions don't need to be recorded on chain before uh, you set a final transaction. And you only have to record your, uh, initial transaction and the final transaction and all the other things don't take the bandwidth of the of the main chain. Yeah. So V8 
engine is here to uh, to optimize the virtual machine performance and also we are like yeah so i think we'll be launching something about layer two in maybe half a year so that's cool there's more advanced applications that would be able to be put on board are there any particularly cool d apps that are out there now many of these chains end up with like gambling there are yeah so uh, if you think about DApp, I think most people go to DApp Radar. So right now, if you go to DApp Radar, you can find us. So we are listed on DApp Radar. DApp Radar right now have Ethereum, EOS, Tron, and us, and IOST. Yeah, so only the oh, cool. four blockchains. So on DApp Radar, you can actually find a lot of DApps made by IOST community. Some of the cool Only 50% of them are legitimate. Uh, <laughs> many, many are legitimate. Yeah, so... Some other cool apps are we have a snake uh, game. So basically, is you know the like the old fashioned snake game. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So we have a snake game and we have a a ninja game, and yeah. So there are all different cool things, and we also have some tools like not only games. Like there are some like facility tools for people to issue credentials and for people to keep security files and for people to share security files. So. Yeah, so all those are pretty cool. I encourage you all, I mean, if you're a player, I encourage you to go to DApp Radar and check out like all these different dApps. And if you are a developer, I really encourage you to try LST because we have been made a lot of optimizations at the developer's side. So the language uh, is pretty neat to program and uh, we have been made a lot of tools for you to use. So the IDEs we prepared will give you like a one click to deploy, to run, and to debug. So all these supporting tools, we are trying to make all this better and better. And the solely purpose is to lower the barriers for developers to enter. And we, yeah, so we do see the the value of our blockchain is yeah, trying try to make the users' life easy and the developer lives easy. So you can all try that. Does the does the foundation provide any sort of incentive for a developer to to create an application, oh, or do. is it just kind of we do? Yeah. So uh, there are many many uh, like incentive programs we made. So there are bounty programs. So we have bounty. So we have uh, a- application bounty where you can build something cool for the ecosystem, and also you can build some dApps. So after you build some dApps, you will be qualified for the contribution rewards made by all the nodes. So you actually can be partnered as a node for us as a dApp developer. And then depending on like how well you are running your dApp, you'll win the IOST rewards. All right. So that's, I think we covered the coin pretty well there. That's pretty, that was pretty in depth. Oh, nice. Answered all my questions. So you are doing good job. I think most of the time is I'm talking some of the <laughs> non-interesting things and you can make interesting. <laughs> Well, we try. I don't know. I, I think what happens is I just don't understand it, so I make something up to make it sound interesting, and then it comes out that way. <laughs> so we always like to talk about the trade-off profile of every project because there's always something you need to do. you got to be like, okay, i got to sacrifice some centralization for some speed or whatever the case is. Of course. What would you consider the trade-off profile for your project? Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you had thought about that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So uh, there, of course, there's always trade-off, and our trade-off is... Uh, we design our the complexity of the system is pretty high. So for the mechanism of the node system, it's actually hard for people to understand the system. And for the decentralization and scalability trilemma, we are kind of okay. So we are a dynamic. Uh, we are on dynamic scale. So basically, our principle is 
while keep the decentralization level, we are making the blockchain as scalable as we can. And this puts the system a lot of like complex issues and there are many corner cases we have to deal with. So in that end, I think our system has like more code and we are like harder to maintain and we need more people to help debug this blockchain. So sometimes there are still some problems and we need to fix. So the complexity of the system is growing. Things we have been traded off. Would you say the complexity on just a token user's end, as far as like if I'm just an average Joe that wants to get into the coin, would you say that it's user-friendly on that end for the wallets and everything like that? Of course, yeah. So we have been, uh, okay, so we we hired the complexity for developers to develop the blockchain in order to lower the barrier for people to enter. So all the normal people who use the blockchain and the developers which want to build the devs, they will have a good time. They'll be yeah, it's pretty easy for them to enter. But for people to build the blockchain itself, for people to build the infrastructure, actually there are many different parts. There's a network part, the storage part, uh, the consensus part. So all this part has a pretty complex level for people to enter. So you've created something that's really fast, that's significantly more decentralized than its counterparts as far as the proof of stake situation. Mm -hmm. And you've created something that's got reasonably low barriers to entry, but it's definitely complicated on the higher end yeah which is an interesting for, problem yeah for developers to maintain and to to develop and to grow so that means that the people who are making the decisions on the highest end are going to need to be the most educated or else it just won't work right so exactly so we do have a hard time finding all these people and also we have a hard like we actually build this for a long time so right now before the launch we are i mean the effort has taken about one year and a half so on average, we're working about over 40 plus infrastructure engineers on this. So it's actually quite massive work and it takes a lot of cost. But the side effect is because you have people who really know what they're doing, they are making better decisions. And we run into that problem in blockchain and we run into it in politics too, where somebody may be an uneducated voter, have a say in the network, have a say in the system or have a say in the government. And maybe they shouldn't. It's definitely a trade-off, but it may not be the worst trade-off I've ever heard because right. it could right. actually improve the ecosystem. I think that's a good trade-off, and that's a trade-off we want to trade. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, and sometimes we, at the end here, we start talking about the competing projects, but we talked about them over the course of the episode, so I don't even think we need to go into that. Uh, I don't know of any other project that is doing exactly what you're doing. I've seen some that have some sort of hybrid proof of stake reputation system. Okay. But I don't think, I don't know if there's a direct competitor. Is, is there somebody who's really similar to you? Uh, no, like we haven't found one. But if you want to name some competitors, like I, I think when we designed the system, we are trying to solve many of the problems uh, EOS and Ethereum is having. So maybe, yeah, so, so you, you can say they are the two, yeah. Yeah, I think any of the platforms probably, especially the proof of stake ones, Tron is probably a competitor. Neo, even though again, I, you may have figured it out, but I don't have a whole lot of respect for the for Tron or or EOS. I don't know what your thoughts are on them, but they're generally the ones that we don't like. Yeah, kind of, uh, they're they're a lot of hype and not a lot of uh, not a lot of action, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. So, which is which is unfortunate for what happened to the space because the space was itself for a period there in 2017 a lot of hype and not a lot of action. But we avoid talking about price and all that all that stuff yeah, on a lot of hype on the show. We all know that, yeah. 
Um, what would you say is the biggest exchange that you guys are on? That if a listener wanted to go buy something right now, what would be the easiest way for them to do it? Uh, the biggest way? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Yeah, exchange. Oh, exchange. I think Binance. Yeah. So. Oh, we're on Binance. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty easy. Okay. Yeah, many major exchanges we, we have been listed. And uh, yeah, so go to our main night. Our website is iost.io and we have a list of exchanges. So iost.io is the primary place that they can go to find out about the project. Um, uh, it's our main net, right? Okay. Do you guys do like medium articles? Oh, or- of course. Yeah. But if you're not trying to find more updates, I think Twitter and medium are the good place for you to go. Okay. What's the Twitter username that they should find? At iOS token. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, iOS token, yeah. So if we wanted to find you specifically on Twitter, do you... I got a Twitter too, yeah. I got Twitter too, yeah. So it's Terrence uh, underscore I-O-S-T. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So listeners, go ahead, send a, send a tweet to Terrence, let him know <laughs> that you actually listened to this and, uh, and he didn't waste his time. <laughs> so, so anything else that we missed? Like I, I feel like we did a really good job of covering this whole coin and and or project. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you it did. and put it yeah. <laughs> put it all together into a nice little package. This is awesome. Yeah, the, the the guidelines and I think you have covered most of it. Yeah, so it's pretty nice. <laughs> if there's anything else you want to add, feel free to do so. Or any anything you want to plug or anything that's coming out, floor is yours. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so for us, I think uh, we really, you are a developer, we really welcome to try out IOST because like one interesting about us, all our co-founders are developers and we still write code. And that's like, we're pretty attack focused blockchain. So all these features we have made actually is for developers. And a building principle for us, a guiding line is developer first. So in order for blockchain to serve most people, has to serve developers first. And that's the effort we are trying. Awesome. You, you heard it. Peace to you. heard that. Get over there and uh, and check it out. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you can diversify a little bit. Yeah. All right. So that's perfect. That sounds like a great wrap. Write it about an hour. Sounds that's great. been an awesome episode. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to remind everybody, one, this was not sponsored. You guys did not pay us to come on the show. Mm-hmm. We are not financial advisors, so please right. do your own research on everything, including this. This can be part of your research, but do some more. Mm-hmm. All investments have inherent risk. Please make sure to do your own research. And that's it. So I think that's it. So Terrence, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really glad. Thanks for interviewing me. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thank you. Catch you on the next episode. Yeah. Have a good one. 